0: Hi friends and welcome into another episode of Living in Hope. I'm your host Josie Colby and I'm thrilled you've chosen to tune in today because we have a delightful woman and friend of ours here at Kameno Chapel who's here to share with us some of her incredible experiences she has had in her mission work in Ghana, West Africa with the ministry group called Wheels for the World with Johnny Erickson Tata. Wheels for the World provides life-changing mobility and the hope of the gospel to people impacted by disabilities worldwide. And today, Emily is interviewing Annie Buxton and digging in on some amazing things she's learned along the way, including some difficult things she has had to face that has caused her hope to grow. I've got to say, this one really speaks to me on a deeply personal level, and I pray it pricks at your heartstrings as well.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Emily Classic, and you're with the Living in Hope podcast today. And I am really delighted because I get to sit here and interview my dear friend, Annie. Annie is a friend of mine that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, and she's going to share with us about some different things that have taken place in her life and how God has um, shown up in her life in many different ways. And
2: I'm just so excited she's here with me. So welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm Annie Buxton, and I married my husband right out of college, and we just had a delightful marriage. We had two children, Rusty and Tammy, and then when they were around high school and middle school age, my husband developed cancer. And so now I am a widow, and I am just grateful for the years that we had together to raise our children to that point. So that's been very meaningful in my life, and, and Jesus has been at the center, which is just wonderful.
1: That is wonderful. And so I would love to know how you came to know Jesus
2: in the first place. Well, my husband and I were both raised going to church. Um, My father was Jewish, and he did not go to church, but my mother was not. So my mother took my sister and I to church, and we just were so grateful for that. My father was supportive, but it was not for him. He didn't go with us. I can only think of two times in my life, that he was in church. And one was, I think, when my mom got confirmed, and the other was when my sister got married. Mm-hmm. So, but he was <clears throat> he was supportive. And then my husband was raised in a family. His father had MS and was disabled from the time that he was a little boy. Mm-hmm. And so his mother took him to church. His father was not able to attend. So we were both raised going to church and when we had our children we decided we wanted to raise our children in the church because during our college years and for six years after that we really did not go to church Mm -hmm. so we decided together I was so grateful that we both decided at the same time so we started looking for a church and we found a little church and Our son was born, and then they had a lay witness mission. I didn't even know what that was. It was just ordinary people coming to share how they found Christ. And we realized we were not Christians. We had gone to church. We knew nothing about a personal relationship. So on the closing night of that conference, we both accepted Christ together. And it was just a game changer for our whole life. Our attitudes changed, our friends changed, our outlook changed, and we were just so thankful that then we would have the opportunity to raise our children truly knowing who Christ was.
1: Wow, that's such an incredible story. I love that. So... You you do a lot of work with um, overseas missions. I would love to know how you got started with that. Coming out of you know becoming a Christian, how did you end up um, working in overseas missions, and what um, what does that look like for you?
2: When I was young, I remember going to Sunday school, and we heard missionaries, and I was always interested in that. It sounded wonderful. Then, after um, my husband passed away, I was invited to go to a conference, and it was ministry leaders. Johnny Erickson Tata was there, Gary Ballard was there from um, Focus on the Family, and Chuck Swindoll. It was in Walk Through the Bible, and it was giving people an opportunity to hear about their ministries and see if that was something they would like to support. So I had my degree in special education, and I was so excited when Johnny with Ericsson Tata was one of the speakers, and so we were able to sign up to meet one-on-one with these people, which was wonderful. So I chose Johnny, and we just had a wonderful meeting, and she introduced me to some of the, her coworkers, and she had a ministry called Wheels for the World. And they were taking wheelchairs to third world countries that did not have wheelchairs or access to any disability, helps, walkers, crutches, any of those things. Mm-hmm. And so um, we talked for a while and then I was leaving and one of her I think it was one of her co-workers was with me. We were getting on an elevator, and he, through the elevator closing door, said, here's my card. I think we can do something together. Wow.
0: Please call
2: us. And so I started thinking about it, and I did call, and I was scheduled to go on a trip for Wheels for the World to Ghana, West Africa. Wow. And... Two A month before we were leaving, my son passed away, Okay, and I was just—there was no way to go, and in that frame of mind, I was thinking, I will never have another chance to go to Africa, (laughs) and it was just the way I was thinking at the time. It was just so shocking that he passed away, and I I just—I called Johnny, and I said, I just can't go. And she goes, no, I I understand, I understand. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. So it was really a hard time. And she kept in touch with me through the whole year. And it was just wonderful. And about a year after that, she calls me. And she said, I have just won a trip, all expenses paid to go to Ghana through KLM Airlines it was their 75th anniversary and you had to write an essay what I would do to bridge the world wow. and she said will you go with me wow what she said do you think you can and I said you know I think I can I think I could do this but I need to talk to my daughter and see what she thinks because now it's just the two of us <laughs> yeah and she said oh mom that would be great yes I want you to go So I ended up going. It was uh, seven days, so it was a little bit shorter than a normal mission trip. But um, I was able to go, and it was an amazing time, and it was definitely learning to step out of my comfort zone. And I remember getting on the plane and thinking, what in the world am I doing Why am I leaving my daughter, my only daughter, my child, to go clear across the world? And I thought, oh, I just can't think like that. You know, this, God is with me. And I was going by myself. I didn't know anybody else that she had selected. There were 25 of us. And so it was just an amazing trip. It was just an amazing trip. And while we were there, I met two people I met, Raymond, and I met Sylvia, and they were Ghanaian, and Raymond was kind of our city host for our team. We, were, we had three teams, broke up into three teams, and we were going to distribute wheelchairs. We had 300 wheelchairs to distribute from our team, and we were teaching workshops on God's view of the disabled, because mm-hmm. the people in Ghana thought you were cursed if you were disabled. So we were not only bringing something physical, but we were bringing something spiritual—real food—to the people to let them know, no, they were special in the eyes of the Lord. And so that was my first trip with Johnny and friends, and it was it was life-lasting, and it continues on to this day. My association with Ghana, and this will be our my twenty-sixth year. Wow. So, what does that look
1: like now? Where are you? uh, What does that look like? Are you still serving in Ghana? You know, you said it's still going. Twenty six years later, what does that look like now?
2: It looks like um, I adopted Raymond, and he's married, and I have three grandsons. Wow. John, David, and Isaac, and I also adopted Sylvia, and so we are family. And so the following year, I went back to Ghana, and I took my daughter with me because they wanted to know if we could be family, if I could be mom, and I said, i just I don't know if my daughter is ready for that yet." So why don't you write to her during this year? And then the next year, I, like I said, I brought her back, and the three of them worked together, and they decided, yes, we could be family.
1: And how old were all of them at that time, your daughter?
2: Tammy was um, just going into college, okay. and Raymond was in his early 30s, and same with Sylvia, a little bit younger than Raymond. Wonderful. So And Raymond was not married at that time. He was married a few years later. So during that, the next few years, I was going back almost every year with Johnny and friends. And each year um, was a whole... Each year was stepping out of my comfort zone. It was just amazing. There were different lessons every year I went. And then God laid it on my heart to bring Raymond and... His wife, Ruby, and they had one child here for college, and also Sylvia. But we were not able to get Sylvia a visa. so but Raymond and his family came then, and they were here for five years while he was going to college. And during that time, I was still going to Ghana on my mission trips with Johnny and friends.
1: Wow, that's amazing. so I love um I'd love to hear like one or two of your favorite stories from your time um, in Ghana, like um, different stories where you got to see God work or just funny stories. I'd love to hear just some of your experience over there.
2: Okay, maybe I'll start with my first story. Okay. Um, this kind of sets the, <laughs> the tone. Um, when we arrived in Ghana on that very first trip, the one that Johnny invited me to go on, The person that was her co-worker in the organization said, I have a special job for you. I want you to go with this man who is blind and his helper out to this village where the school for the blind is. And he said um, he was here last year, but he left to go to the school and nobody really got to work with him. So. Just go and could you just go and see how things are? And I said, sure. Well, this man was not very happy that I was going with him. He didn't know what I could do to help him. I didn't have, I worked with some blind people, but that was not my area of expertise in special ed. So we left and we went out into this village. I didn't have any orientation. I was the only woman Going, and there was two men. We had a driver and a driver's helper. We got to where we were going. There was a terrible storm, um, very rainy, Of course, all the power was out. and we got to where we were supposed to stay. And the man's helper didn't like that place. He didn't, I mean, there were we were way out there, so there's not a lot of choice. Yeah, so he finally said, "No, you need to find us a different guest house." And so, The driver said, well, okay. (laughs) So anyway, they found a guest house that we could have two rooms side by side because then they were kind of worried about me being the only woman. I never saw another woman. We went into the lobby of this place, and there were no women. Wow. Uh, I had no idea what to do, and the walls were paper thin, and there was a patio area outside my window, and all I could hear were all these men, and I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't sleep real well that night, and, and getting almost to midnight, I heard a knock on the door, and I opened the door, and it was our driver, and he said, are you okay now? He said, I sense you were nervous, <laughs> and I said, oh, my goodness, Francis, have you been sitting outside this door? And he goes, yes. Would it be okay if I go to bed now? Oh, Oh, yes, most definitely. So anyway, we went on the next morning to the school for the blind, and the person was very upset because when they packed our van to go, they didn't pack his gifts for the school for the blind. Okay. There were blind, writer, all kinds of things, you know, that he was giving to the school, and he was really upset. I just kept saying, you know, the Lord will handle this. So the school wasn't upset, but he was. So we went through all the introductions and the children sang for us, and we were starting to go to the classes. And I looked up, and there was Raymond, and I had not met him yet, and my team leader. And they said, oh, my goodness, we didn't even know that you had left. I could not find you. They didn't tell us. John didn't tell us that you were coming out here and he said do you want to come home and Raymond said do you want to come back with us and I go yes (laughs) I do I think I've seen what I need to see (laughs) so anyway that's how I met Raymond so Uh that was really exciting and I did go back with him and everything was fine and then one of my other trips when I was I was there, I wasn't there with a whole team. They had picked a few of us to come and we were checking back on the people we'd given wheelchairs to. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go way out, way out in the bush to try to open up a new area and find accommodations for the team for the following year. So Raymond was with me and I was in a van. I think there was one other woman in the van. It was all guys. And we went way out. We left at 3 in the morning to get out there. Wow. And as we were driving, there's a lot of um, gated gates across the road, and there's military people, and you have to stop and get clearance to go on. Wow. And I wasn't quite understanding all that. But at one of the gates, a guy with a huge gun said, I need to go to the next gate, and he started getting in our van and I said, Oh Raymond, are we okay? And he goes, Oh yes. In Ghana, you you're if you have a car and the person needs to get to the next gate, you're obligated to take them. So here's this man with this he was a big man with a big gun. Yeah. Oh, and goodness. he's shaking my hand so hard I thought I was gonna break. And he started talking and Raymond started talking to him and he said where are you going? And we said, well, we're going to a church. We're going to do a disability Sunday. And he said, oh, church, God, God doesn't like me. God hates me. And Raymond said, oh, no, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. He goes, no, I've, and he's pointing his gun all around. I have shot and killed many people. God does not love me. He goes, no, God will forgive you. So here is Raymond talking to this man about God's love. He said, you could accept Jesus right now, and all is forgiven. And this great big man started crying, and he (sighs) said, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And so right there in our van, going to his next stop, he accepted Jesus. And I was so touched, because Raymond got out his his Bible, his one, he, he's a pastor, mm-hmm. the one he uses for preaching, and he gave it to this gentleman. Wow. And he was crying and holding this Bible, a whole different demeanor than when he got on this van with us. I mean, and the van was packed. It was probably a 12 passenger, and we had at least 15 people <laughs> before he got on. Wow. <laughs> so that was really a memorable experience. That's amazing. What a story. I got tears in my eyes on that. And then when we got there to do the Disability Sunday, it was very, we were way out. So it was just really plain wooden benches. And here are all these people that were disabled that had been crawling through the paths for hours to get there. They had yeah. polio and they only could drag themselves on the ground. And there they were with hope. That someday we would come with wheelchairs for them, wow, which we did the following year, but that's amazing. So <clears throat> Annie, I would love to know you have
1: you have these decades of ministry in Ghana. I would love to know what are some things that God taught you while you were over there.
2: Well, I think the first thing was to step out of my comfort zone. and I just think what if I had not? and I was really nervous, I was really... I didn't know anybody, <laughs> and so to step out, and I think, what ha- what would have happened if I had said no? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have met Raymond. I wouldn't have met Sylvia. I wouldn't have met all the beautiful people that God has had me meet over these years. Yeah. And I found that you don't just do that once. Each time I go, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. There was a trip that um, I was going to make with the pastor of our church. He was going with me that had sent Raymond Antioch Bible Church, had sent Raymond back to uh, Ghana to plant Antioch there. And the pastor was going with me so we could go together to visit Raymond and see what his needs were and... Um, His daughter was killed in a car accident, so he was not able to go. And I wanted to stay with him for an extra week, not just take off. But I said, I'll be fine by myself. So that was a huge... Thing for me to step out and people were telling me you can't go there by yourself you can't go as a woman but by that time we'd been I'd been so many times you know I I wasn't nervous but it was amazing who God put in my way like I sat down next to this person on the plane and he was from Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir wow and he was a pastor And I woke up in the middle of the night and he was singing. And he had his headphones on so he didn't realize how loud he was singing. And I just thought, Lord, thank you. What comfort. Right. What comfort. All the way along, he put people there in my path that were willing to help me. I got through security without having to open one bag, I was carrying a lot of luggage. I was able to have help to get all the luggage on the on the car. I mean, it was just amazing. So that, I just, again, stepping out, it would have been real easy to say, no, I can't go this time. Wow. But I think another really important lesson through each trip, even though each trip has been very different, is gratitude. The people are so grateful, just so very grateful that we are there and so grateful to have the teaching about God and what hope this has given them that they aren't cursed. They're made in His image. They're important. God loves them, and He can use them. And Raymond's church is mostly deaf people, and they were very discounted. They had no value, and they couldn't even vote in an election. Wow. And we asked, why? Why can't they do that? And they said, because we don't know how to tell them when they come to vote who's running. And Raymond reminded them that they can read. <laughs> and they do have a brain, and they right. can think. And so because of that and because of Raymond's work, they're now able to vote. Wow. And so and the, our people that were so disabled, crawling on the ground, crawling, just think about that it's just and yet they know that Jesus loves them I mean this is so amazing and one of our trips our load of wheelchairs and there was probably oh maybe 700 or more wheelchairs in this load did not arrive and it did not arrive and of course we were all so upset and so apologetic and we're so sorry and They just said, stop. Stop. You are the gift giver. We are the receiver. Wow. Does the gift giver need to apologize for not having the gift? The receivers know that they will come at some point. And the blessing there was that we had trained enough people that they could carry on with the wheelchair distribution over all these years. We always uh, traveled with a physical therapist, an occupational therapist. They trained people how to fit people in wheelchairs, how to use a wheelchair, some real basic physical therapy, and so over this time... The, one of the people that had worked for us from the beginning, a young man, said, I will take that on. I will distribute. I will put together our team and we will distribute. Wow. And so just seeing what he was just an amazing young man, still is a very good friend. And his sister worked for the paper. So they had frontline coverage of this. Wow. And it's just changing lives. And one time, Sylvie and I um, got to be interviewed. It was kind of by a person. Well, she was known as the Oprah <laughs> of Ghana. And we explained to her what we were doing. And she was, you know, it, the word went out. It was just amazing the opportunities God gave us. That's so and incredible. And so the gratitude of the people... And one of the people explained to us, he said, this is so different here. You have to understand that you get up in the morning, you open this refrigerator full of food, and you're thinking, hmm, I wonder which one of these things we want to eat. We get up praying and knowing God will provide a little bit of food for us that day. And we are so grateful for whatever God provides. But he always does provide. He it. Yeah. And it was just, um, it, it was always very hard for me. It still is, coming home to the opulence and oh, the yeah. choices and the grocery stores and just all of these choices that we have. And yet they are a people with deep joy. They taught me that my joy doesn't depend on my circumstances; it depends on what's in my heart, and it depends on my love for Jesus. So it's just—it's it's gratitude. It's just—it sticks with me all the time. I'm just so grateful for, for those wonderful lessons.
1: I love that. I was just thinking about when you. Um... When you were sharing at VBS with here at our church with the kids, I got to be there a couple of times when you were sharing. And, um, that was one thing you shared with the kids. I remember you talking about, um, the, the deaf people, um, worshiping at church and just getting to see the joy that these people get to have. Like you said, in the midst of circumstances that we are so unfamiliar with here, stateside, we have we have abundance beyond abundance, and getting to see um, just what what joy should look like, because our joy here is just prone to be so circumstantial, compared to where our joy should be, which is in Christ. So I love that.
2: Yes, that was that was just wonderful to see that over and over. At one of our wheelchair distributions, uh, a gentleman came for his father. His father wasn't able to get there. And he needed a wheelchair, and he need well, he needed a wheelchair. And we were able to give him a wheelchair and a walker. Wow. And the man just walked away, just crying and saying, I got a wheelchair and a walker? Are you sure? I could have both. And I said, oh, yes, we've got... Uh, plenty here you know yes you can have both and in the years after that he would write to me and tell me how his father was and then when his father passed away he again just wrote this letter so full of gratitude that Jesus had provided for him on that day the wheelchair and the walker that's amazing I love that well
1: one question that we ask all of our podcast guests, because this is the Living in Hope podcast, is what hope means to you. So I would love, Annie, if you'd share with me what hope
2: means to you. I'm Hope is everything, and it's a gift. We forget it's a gift from God. It's a gift of love. It's a gift of faith, and it's a gift of hope. And our hope isn't like, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen maybe it will maybe it's not that hope it's a sure hope an absolute sure hope and it's hope of our salvation hope that we know that jesus said i've gone to prepare a place for you and where i am you will be also and it's not a wish it's a grounded hope it's a true hope it is the truth And I just think no matter what difficult circumstances we go through, and all of us go through this, life is hard. But we still have joy, and we still have hope. Hope is what gets us through these hard times, brings us closer to the Lord. And the more we walk with Him during those hard times, the more we trust in Him, the bigger the hope is, the the more sure the hope is, for us and it makes me think of the 23rd psalm when god said even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death i am with you that's our hope he didn't say stop and build a house he didn't say sit here and camp for a while he said we're walking through through we're coming out the other side and then he reminded us if we'd look behind us we'd see that goodness and mercy were following us all the days of our life, that hope, it's before us, behind us, and around us. And it's the truth.
1: I love that. What a word to share with us today, Annie. Thank you so much. I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And it just is such an honor to get to sit with you and hear all that you have to say. Thank you so
2: much. I appreciate being here. Thank you.
0: Well, friends, we're wrapping up another episode. And as we end... Let me remind us all to step out of our comfort zones. And as Annie said so well, just watch what opportunities God will bring when we do. And oh man, our attitudes. I love the reminder to live moment by moment with an attitude of gratitude. Knowing our joy does not depend on our circumstances. A huge thank you to Annie for sharing with us today. If you're interested in more information about Wheels for the World or any other great ministry happening with Johnny and friends, you can check them out at johnnyandfriends.org. That's J-O-N-I and friends.org. We've also attached the link for you here. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with your friends so they can be encouraged too. We'll see you in two weeks for our next episode right here on Living in Hope.